And I think that we owe it to ourselves uh, to explore and ask questions that we don't have the answers to um, and really allow ourselves to kind of rip away from that old fabric that was holding us of who we are at work, in a workplace, in that hierarchy, and allow yourself to float free for a while, even if you're not used to it, even if you feel some kind of existential discomfort, because it's really going to lead you to um, a new discovery of, of who you are, because you're, you know, you're not done. You're not done becoming who you are going to be. Retirement. That's what we're all aiming at, right? But exactly what does that mean? It conjures up visions of endless days of golf, drinks with little umbrellas in them on a tropical beach, feet up, reading a book. Is that what it's all about? I don't think so. Life would get pretty dull after a while without anything meaningful to do, don't you think? I'm Jackie Doucette, and I'm on a mission to discover exactly what life is like beyond retirement. Join me while I chat with people who've already done it, who've retired to something rather than from something. Let's find out together exactly what's waiting for us when we say goodbye to that nine to five. Hi everyone. Today I'm joined by Amy Bernstein. She is a writer, author, and nonfiction book coach. She's spending her 60s designing a series of new challenges that should keep her busy right up until the end. And I can't wait to hear about those challenges. Thanks for joining me today, Amy. Thank you, Jackie. I'm really happy to be here. So I, I usually start by asking my guests how they ended up doing what they're doing. Um, have you always enjoyed writing and helping others write? Or is that a new direction that uh, has come along in your journey? It is definitely not a new direction. I think it's a, con it's a continuation and maybe just um, some branch ways of lifelong direction. Uh, I made my living in the, in the nonfiction writing and communications field for decades uh, as a journalist, as a speechwriter uh, in corporate communications and government communications. And I've done just a little bit about a little bit of all of it on the nonfiction side. Uh, and along the way also, also mentored a lot of other um, writers and um, realized when I turned to fiction in, uh, in middle age that um, I was going to continue to kind of expand that path. And the book, the book coaching followed on as sort of an adjunct to all of that. That's interesting. And, but you do book coaching for nonfiction writers. Is that correct? Right. So I, because I have a back, such a background in nonfiction, um, working with a lot of uh, complex material uh, in government, um, some pretty high profile stuff. I was a speechwriter for a cabinet secretary and I've done a lot of this nonfiction stuff. Um, I had a journalist beat in transportation and utilities and some hardcore things. So I love that. I love the tough stuff. I love the nerd stuff. And I really wanted to focus my book coaching practice on helping nonfiction authors really turn their raw ideas into polished proposals. But because I'm also a novelist, um, I'm able to bring some my, my sensibility as a storyteller also into helping nonfiction um, authors kind of make sure that they're, that they're telling powerful stories. So it's a, it's a great combination. I love bringing it together. Right. So my themes for this season are planning, freedom, confidence, and generosity. And I think having the confidence to start something new is really important as we move into the, you know, potentially final stages of our life. 
And I mentioned in your intro that you've got some new challenges lined up uh, for you. What are, uh, what are those new challenges? I made a decision. I'm 65 and I made a decision um, a few years ago when I left the full-time working world that I was going to start taking new, new risks, creative risks on a regular basis. Believe me, not physical risks. I will not be jumping out of a plane with a parachute uh, in my lifetime. <laughs> but uh, I, I felt that it's so important for us as we get older to continue to challenge ourselves to, to just keep growing. And boy, I... I kind of be careful what you wish for. I'm, I'm certainly doing that. I mean, I've had to, I've had to master so much social media, uh, so many social media tools, um, including things I'm not comfortable with, like using video and social media and just keeping to push, keep on pushing those envelopes because authors really need to market their own books and their own brands. So I'm really pushing myself in those directions and I'm challenging to my, myself to write more and more complicated books, <laughs> which are going to take me longer and longer to finish. <laughs> so it's, it's quite challenging. And as you say, those challenges take, take some confidence. They take some courage. How do, you, uh, how do you build up that courage and how do you have that confidence in yourself? I think you have to allow yourself to, to become reacquainted with failure. One of my big insights was that in my professional life, working full time, I was quite successful. Um, I held fairly senior positions um, in some really big organizations in communications. I won some, some big awards and recognition. I was extremely well compensated. So I was really succeeding. When I turned to full time work as a, as a novelist and now also as a book coach, um, I realized that you have to really reacquaint yourself with failing because writing and publishing involves a tremendous amount of failure and rejection. And you have to learn how to handle that in ways you may not have handled since, you know, we were much younger adults. It's very challenging. And do you have any hints for people on, on how to get comfortable with failing? Yes. Other than just doing it. <laughs> right. Well, doing it is, is definitely a big part of it. I think what you have to remind yourself is that when you're doing something new, something that's new to you, you're working on a skill or a craft that you may not have perfected yet. And we have to remind ourselves that it takes time to get better at these things, these new things that we may be trying. I mean, I think, I think if you decide um, to suddenly become a pastry chef, you're not going to be the world's best pastry, pastry chef in the first um, six months. You, you know, you're, you're not. But if we allow ourselves to participate in that learning curve and to get better and to be open to learning how to get better, I think you can take the failure with some grains of salt and remind yourself that you're learning and that you are a lifelong learner and that this is all part of the bargain. I think that's good advice. And that it's so important to remember that you don't start out being not only a success, but being an expert at anything. I mean, we, we didn't start out knowing how to do anything. You know, and you know, as a, the uh, the age old example of, you know, kids, if they if they gave up when they started learning to walk, we'd be crawling around on our hands and knees forever. That's exactly right. And so that's a great, great um, uh, example, because when, um, you know, that toddler takes those first steps and then falls and then takes a few more steps and then falls they're not failing to walk, right? They're learning to succeed at walking. And, you know, exactly. I think as as a writer, 
I still have to remind myself quite often because I'm, you know, I'm dealing with rejection all the time and, you know, I'm not, I'm not failing. I'm just on my way to, I'm just failing on the road to succeeding. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. So I read your uh, article in uh, medium about rethinking retirement and uh, it's an idea that, that I've talked about before that we have to revamp how we think about anything before it's going to change. And I like the things that you said specifically, like the word retirement is oriented towards deficit loss diminishment. And people often compare retirement to death with the idea that stopping a regular job or career ultimately leaves you with nothing. And even the supposedly happy parts of it are negative, as you point out, you got no paycheck, no schedule, no job. Maybe what we need to do is start rethinking those things. It's instead of having no boss, I'm my own boss and I follow my own schedule. I mean, I'm learning Spanish. And what I really like is that in Spanish, the word for retirement is jubilación. It's jubilation. And, you know, what can be better than, than jubilation at retirement? I mean, but where I was going, you made three main points in your article, and I was hoping that maybe you could talk about them a little bit about how to rethink retirement. Yes, I do think that we need to um, stop looking at it as putting a capstone on what, what it's not about what we're losing. It's about the opportunity of what we can gain. And it is so much an opportunity, not just for reinvention, but to um, really get new perspective on yourself, really just as a human being. I was, I was told about um, a judge, this was a true story, a judge who retired, and of course, his, you know, much of his career, he'd been called your honor. And then he retired and he's no longer your honor. And so who is he? What is he? And while that might seem scary or opening a big black hole, I think it's important to really take that pause when we're on the cusp of retiring or leaving, leaving the working world uh, for good to ask ourselves um, where our passions really lie and where our creative energies really lie and what are the re things that, what, what gets us out of bed in the morning. And if you don't have an answer for that, I think that you should allow yourself the time to try on a whole lot, lot of new things and find that out. You know, many of us put together hopes and dreams in our teens and 20s, and then we really pretty much forgot about them. Um, I, when I started writing plays um, about 10 years ago, almost out of the blue, and I was trying to figure out why am I writing plays, I had forgotten that, you know, way back in junior high school, I was acting in all the school plays and I thought I wanted to be an actor. I was passionate about it. And things changed and we moved away and, and uh, I forgot all about that. And here this passion resurfaced in a new way decades and decades and decades later. And I think that we owe it to ourselves uh, to explore and ask questions that we don't have the answers to um, and really allow ourselves to kind of rip away from that old fabric that was holding us of who we are at work, in a workplace, in that hierarchy, and allow yourself to float free for a while, even if you're not used to it, even if you feel some kind of existential discomfort, because it's really going to lead you to um, a new discovery of, of who you are, because you're, you know, you're not done. You're not done becoming who you are going to be. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that. 
So that's, that's the first thing that you talked about, reorganizing your identity, deciding, you know, who you really are. Nice. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you moved on. You talked about um, assigning a, a new value to the structure of time, because right. all of a sudden we don't have so much structure. Again, that's, that's one of my themes is freedom, but it's, it's still important, that structure. Well, that's right. You know, I'm, I'm married to a guy who, um, first of all, he intends to work many more years. Um, um, but he's 66 now, and I think he'll still be working in his 70s. And that's his choice. He he loves structure. He lo he needs structure in his day. I know this about him. He, he's, he doesn't do that well when time is feels like it's at loose ends and there's no commitment looming. And I think that and many of us are like that. I, I'm not particularly like that, but he is, and I understand it. And I think that when he finally makes that transition, he's going to have to find new ways to structure his time. And I think the increments change a lot. You know, that flow of the, the 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. day or whatever it is, um, the, the pandemic has changed that for a lot of us anyway. And I think it's done us some favors in that respect, in that we've been able to manage our time differently and sometimes better and to reorganize it. But I do think that we have to um, forget the clock and figure out what's meaningful at different times of the day. Um, it's, it's sort of, again, it's taking yourself out of the old fabric and almost weaving yourself into a new fabric. I like that. And, and that's so true. I mean, you, you can still have specific times to do specific things so that you have a you know, a concrete timeline for your day, because a lot of people find that very helpful. Otherwise, they're just kind of sitting around waiting for the day to end. And you never know when it ends, because you don't have anything to define it. Right. But the other point I'd also make about how we use time is, um, you know, American culture, uh, particularly, you know, those of us who have worked our whole professional lives, we're really obsessed with that notion of feeling productive, that our time should feel quote unquote productive. So if you're not, you know, reshingling the roof, or blowing the leaves off the lawn, or gluing together a broken chair, or fixing a spectacular meal for your family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're just, you're, you're wasting, you're wasting your time. I just wish we could let that go, at least try to let that go. Because if you want to sit and read a book for an hour, or you want to take a stab at, for the first time in your life, writing poetry or a short story, or you want to go out for a long walk and observe things in your in your neighborhood you've sort of never taken the time to see that's a beautiful beautiful use of time and it, you don't have an output but you're feeding yourself and I, I i wish we could kind of reacquaint ourselves with ways of using time where we didn't feel like we had to have something to show for it concretely at the end of that period uh, that, that's beautiful and i think that goes back to figuring out who you are and what you want as well that if you can do that if you can spend your time um enjoying nature that'll change who you are it'll it'll help you get back to what's really important and i think that that's that's a big step in in figuring out that relationship to time and and being able to say no i didn't waste my time i read a book it's right <laughs> absolutely and then and then the next the next part is um, what you really need, and that that goes in with what you're saying about um, being productive. Maybe maybe being productive isn't isn't 
the goal at all. It's figuring out what it is that's important inside you. Very much so. And I, and I think that that certainly that area, that early time um, when retirement is a very new experience, it, it's a good idea to give yourself permission to think about what feeling productive, how feeling productive can feel, can feel, can feel different and not feeling, um, you know, we're, we're driven by obligations. Again, this is so much our culture, our American culture. We're so driven by this notion of obligation and responsibility. And it's not that you retire and suddenly you become a carefree, irresponsible person. I don't think, I'm certainly not suggesting that. And I don't think anybody necessarily would, but I think we can, we can renegotiate what it means to um, have obligations. And, you know, if I'm really pushing it, I would say that your, your first and newest obligation is to giving yourself permission to explore who you can still become. And that's your obligation. And that could just mean so many different things. I want to share quickly. I have a friend who retired a few years ago. And I know that my friend, his wife had worried a lot that he was very hard charging in financial services. And she was really worried that he had no clue what he was going to do with his time. Absolutely no idea. And she kind of was, was nagging him about, figure it out. You got to figure it out. You can't just retire and, you know, sit around. What are you going to do? He decided to take a month long, a cross country, um, cross country bike ride with a, with a friend, with a close friend. And so he, the very first month of his retirement, like literally practically within days of literally stopping working, he was on his bike riding from Connecticut to Texas um, and completely physically emotionally psychologically separating himself from the life that he the working life that he was leaving behind and it gave him an opportunity to reset his own sort of interior landscape in such a profound way and i feel that it, people who can afford to build in a real break from that from your nine to five clock um as a step into retirement is a way to help you reset kind of your inner you know your inner compass I think that's a good idea. Do you do you suppose that <clears throat> even just maybe someone doesn't have a chance to take a break like that, that's some, something as extreme as that, but just not doing, not planning anything for a period of time after your job ends so that you can maybe even just experience being bored for a while so that you get, a, get used to who you are and, and what it's like to be with yourself. I know maybe that would be helpful. So terrifying to people, though, isn't it? I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I understand how particularly if you're a man of a certain generation and maybe you've been in charge of things and other people for quite some time and, you know, you have so many conceptions about kind of how you make your way through the world and how you are in relation to other people. I think I think we're talking about something very radical here. And I sympathize with and I understand people who really, really crave structure and they want a point to, they want those 15 minute increments to understand the point of things i i get it um and i agree with you it's great to take that just try and take that step into the unknown but i think i think if it's i think it's even worth investigating why is this terrifying like what's the reason is it because suddenly you have nobody to bounce yourself off of it's suddenly because you know an identity has fallen away and you don't know who you are well that's when you want to step into starting to explore that and I, I will say that even even um, even guys who may not, you know, express themselves a lot, 
I think starting a journal, this is an absolutely fantastic time in your life to start a private journal. You don't have to share it with anyone. It doesn't have to be well-written. Just start writing down what you're thinking and feeling as you're making that transition and be incredibly honest with yourself. I think that's a really great tool. I've said this, excuse me, in other interviews, journaling, I think, is is something that's scary for a lot of people because they they think that there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And they're going to do it wrong if they start out. And it's so important to take the the mysticism away from journaling as a, you know, as an activity and just say, I'm writing down my thoughts. It's just, I'm getting it out on paper. It doesn't have to be for anybody else. It's just, I'm thinking about the dog next door. So I'm going to write about the dog next door and all the barking and how I hate it or whatever. It doesn't have to be anything big. Exactly. You're so right. The term journaling has become very weighted in certain circles and taken on certain spiritual mystical meanings. And you're absolutely right. And I agree with you that it's if you just allow yourself literally a stream of consciousness thing. And the other thing about this is that if you get into the habit of doing it, the, the practice of writing your thoughts and, and, and observations becomes more natural and becomes easier and actually becomes, I think, a very profound engagement with yourself over time, even if, even if it feels odd in the beginning. So for someone who is used to having everything scheduled for them, you know, some, some let's say, you know, fictional gentleman who is not uh, sure what he's going to do after retirement, and he's scared of the idea of having nothing to do, what would be, what would be your recommendation for how to start that? He's not an introspective kind of person. He's, he's scared of being by himself with himself. Well, I think one thing is hopefully that person has some other other friends um, who uh, might be in a similar situation. I think I think what men can do and what I hope men can begin to lean into some more is um, socializing with peers, getting together with buddies, so to speak. Um, is it is it, it's importantly it's so important to be able to make those connections and realize you're not alone and you're not going through this alone. Um, and I think, I think that um, men often tend to, not all men, but many men hang back from making those social networks and forming those mm-hmm. friendships. Um, and I think it's what, probably the, one of the most important things that a guy can do, which is reach out to someone. You might not even know them that well, but maybe they retired last year or the year before. And it's like, hey, you know, can we grab, can we just grab coffee or a beer? Or, I, you know, how did you figure this out? I mean, reaching out to others and having those conversations is not a sign of weakness. It's really a sign of strength because you're beginning that process to explore your own options. And, um, you know, I think that's a really good, good road to go down. It's a very healthy thing to do. I think so too. I think uh, a lot of people will balk at that. (laughs) The idea of just asking for help is very foreign to a lot of people, men and women. And it's 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 not even help. It's not even help so much as, I mean, and I think you could think of it as things other than help so much as, um, let me do it some research here. Let me, I'm doing, let me do some research. This person went through, went down this path a year before I did, two years before I did, maybe five years. Uh, let me just figure out what their blueprint was. It's just research. You know, you're not, you don't have to ask them for answers. You don't have to, you know, you just want to hear the way they did it because it's going to give you so much perspective on your own process. And you may hear things you're like, well, I'm not doing that. And then you know something, then you've learned something. Or you may hear something that's like, oh, I didn't even think of that. I could do X. So it's an option. 
it's good. So it's a matter of just kind of opening yourself up, just not, not opening yourself up to everybody, but just opening yourself to the opportunities that are out there in the world, staring back at you. Yeah. And, is, and isn't that what retiring really is? It, it's a period of opening up or opening back up to things that are, we could not afford. I mean, in ter- I don't mean financially, I mean, in terms of time and even psychological energy. I mean, when you're consumed by a career um, culminating in some kind of, you know, capstone or success and, and you've worked so hard, stepping away from that is that opportunity, as we said at the beginning, to to um, start out with a clean slate and decide how to fill it. I think that's exciting. It's challenging, but I think that if you go at it as exciting, um, things things can start to happen for you. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think I think the idea of, of going aiming at retirement as an exciting new chapter is is the best way to get started because, the uh, the slate is blank. You can do whatever you want, and and how you choose to do it is going to be based on what you're feeling inside, but also what you're seeing as you start your new actions. I think I don't know. Yes. I'm not I'm not explaining that very well. Um, well, and too, but the idea. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say that um, you know, and, and this is I, I'm this is a bit cliched, but there's also truth in it. Women, we're lifelong multitaskers because of the nature of the roles that we take on. So, you know, we're often mothers. Um, sometimes we're taking care of um, elderly relatives. Um, we often tend to keep up friend- friendships. that, And so we create our own social engagements and we do a lot of other things. And so and we work. And when we step away from work, we often have carved out many different identities and have many different sort of kinds of activities. And I think it feels like not as abrupt up transition. And again, I realize this is not true for everyone. Whereas for so many men, you know, there is the work life is the over the the all consuming thing. And then there's home life. And for many men, there's not some there's not that third or fourth thing. Um, and that's why I think we're both acknowledging this is can be a more difficult transition for, for men. I think that's true. I know I'm seeing it right now in my own house, because I've recently retired, but my husband isn't. And I talk about the things I want to do and what retirement is going to look like, I hope, for me. And he just kind of looks at me and says, and I get left behind? And it's, <laughs> well, no, you don't get left behind. But, you know, he's not thinking about what retirement is going to be. He's all consumed with what's going on at work and what's going to happen tomorrow. And, and I ask him, what do you want to do when you quit? I said, well, he says, I don't know. I don't have time to think about that. So at some point, you know, that wall has to, has to drop down and you've got to think about it. You know, and that's right. And, and work is even, even if you're in a, even if you're running a business or something where you have to have some long, long-term thinking, it very, and it very much is a day-to-day situation, isn't it? I mean, from day to day, you're consumed with, you know, what's happening, what's, what's, what's today's meetings about, or who do I have to, who do I have to help out today? Or who do I have to appease? Or who do I have to manage? Or what problem do I have to solve today or this week? So there's the horizon's really short term. When you step into retirement, your horizons, I mean, if let's just wish you, you know, good health and long life, your horizons are quite, quite long. It's not, it's not day to day. It's not even week to week. It's really not even month to month. And so again, if you look on the upside, the upside is this is now yours to to own and redistribute 
in any way that 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 really pleases you so you can get out of that 24 hour type of you know horizon um i i just think you know there's so many pluses you have to look at it that way yeah i think so too and one of the things going back to your article one of the things that you say is you know maybe it's time to get rid of the word retiree and and those sorts of connotations from our vocabulary have you thought of something that we can use instead of that that something that means hey we're going forward instead of we're re- retiring yeah, i do hate i hate the word uh retirement i do hate it i think a lot of us do i you know i don't know yet um that we um have a new word for it i i'm working with um a client uh in my book coaching practice who as a matter of fact runs a fantastic um uh newsletter over uh on substack that's all about um the 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 sort of the post-retirement life and he's come up with the term um after work uh it, that that's sort of this thing that we step into it's it's like a word after work and i think that's a really powerful way of thinking about it because it doesn't define what it is but you know what it isn't uh yeah. and so um uh i think that we need to come up with some some new ways now that we're living so much longer we do need to think about it i mean i think about of it also as sort of like the third third um of life um it's it's uh it's that whole you know vista um where we get to uh reinvent ourselves uh, as we're talking about yeah. which is lovely <laughs> exactly that's beautiful so is there anything specific about your work, your business, anything at all that you'd like to share with the uh, listeners today? Um, well, uh, I, I just released uh, a novel. I have another novel coming out uh, in August. It's a it's a dystopian post-pandemic mystery thriller. And if nice. anyone would like to learn about my books or even my book coaching business, I'd love folks to visit my website which is amywrites.live. It's just A-M-Y-W-R-I-T-E-S, amywrites.live. You can sign up at the bottom for my for my newsletter, which is only occasional. No one is bombarded. And uh, I'm always looking for uh, for new readers to, to find my books uh, or to find my book coaching practice if that's something that interests them. Perfect. I'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes so that people can find it. That's wonderful. Um. Thank you so much for joining me today and for chatting a little bit about, you know, the ways that we can prepare for retirement and and maybe not look at it as a negative thing going forward. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Uh, Jackie, I have too. This has been a wonderful conversation and I hope we all follow our own advice, right? I hope so. (laughs) And that's it for this episode of Beyond Retirement. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed it. To check out the video interviews, please go to my YouTube channel at bit.ly forward slash beyond retirement. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash beyond retirement. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes.